Thank you for listening to The Wonder Podcast. I'm Joe Vacanti. It's our desire that you would take this message and that you would choose to live the life God always imagined for you. Today I want to talk about lost potential. 13 seconds. A year ago, we were here. 13 seconds. Gabe Davis... Four touchdowns in the game. I mean, everyone's blood pressure up, down. Like that was our game. And when the game was over, man, we were so disappointed because we just knew we had more. We had more in us as a team. We were a better team. We proved it the first game of this season when we beat the Super Bowl champs. It's like, ah, oh, we knew it was our year. When you see the potential not being used, it's so frustrating. So for those of you who are younger, the older people in here had the same, same feeling many years ago when the Bills lost their, their first Super Bowl to the Giants by one point. And, and we knew, man, we were the better team. Our offense was the best of the league, the highest scoring. It just didn't feel right. And when you, when you see lost potential, you talk about it. I mean, you make documentaries about it, little Netflix or videos and Hulu, little, little short videos about just uh, how close we were because everyone just knows there was so much more and they fell short. You know, when it comes to a game, can't we understand and see when there's lost potential? We see it. But when it comes to our own lives... When it comes to looking at the things we have done, when it comes to the things that we haven't accomplished, aren't we a little bit more lenient? I mean, the Bills, we're going to talk about it for years. But for us, we got excuses, right? When we don't fulfill our potential, we we got excuses. We got great ones, too. We have great reasons why. But we're more lenient on us. And the question that... I care about asking, and I'm sure you do too, is, well, does God even, does God really care? Does God care about what we do with our potential? Because, uh, you know, God's, God's like the God of Woodstock. He's love and peace and happiness. Like, he's, he's, of course he's okay if we don't meet up to our potential. I mean, as, as long as we don't, you know, kill anybody. That's always our default, right? I, I, I didn't kill anybody. So God has to be, you know, okay well, today I want to read the words of Matthew, and, and these words, I hope, arrest your heart as they arrested mine as I, every time I read them and think about them. I'm going to pick up in the middle of a story. It's in the middle of a parable, the parable of the talents, it's called. And Matthew picks up in the, in the middle of this um, text. It says, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been trusted and been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then a man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid 
and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you, his master replied. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. See, take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has ten bags. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when you read it, it really arrests you, and it's a wake-up call. And then maybe you read it and think, Matthew got it wrong. I, I think Matthew got this one wrong because God can't call a person wicked, can he? I mean, can, can God say those things? I mean, it's not nice to say. It's, it's not nice. Because God is the God of peace and love and joy. So is, is it really nice that God calls somebody wicked? We know, right, that God, we use this term or have heard this term, like he's sovereign, like he's all-knowing. If God is really all-knowing, doesn't he know by calling someone lazy it's going to hurt their feelings? Doesn't God know it's going to hurt their feelings if he says they're lazy or they're wicked? Doesn't God know that it might cause a person to actually cry, well up some tears if they were called lazy and wicked? I mean, God's going to make somebody cry. If there were other servants around, can you imagine? Like the, he says to the one servant and then the one servant walks away. They say, ah, hey, don't worry about what he said. You're a good person. You know, you... That really wasn't nice for the master to say, was it? I mean, you didn't lose any of the money. Hey, you gave him back the money. It's okay. In fact, you know what? You didn't kill anybody. <laughs> the question we ask is, does God have the right to call us wicked? Or does God have the right to call us lazy? If we decide to do nothing with our lives. I think it matters to God what we do with our potential. I think it's possible that God would have our feelings hurt rather than us live in eternity of knowing we wasted our life. We don't want anyone here to ever come to the end of your life and feel like you wasted it, to feel like it was for nothing. Now, I thought the servant kind of had a good excuse, though. I mean, we all have excuses. The servant said, if you remember, I was afraid. I mean, that kind of sounds like a good excuse. I'm surprised Jesus didn't say, oh, you know, I, I, you were afraid? I totally get it. The world's a scary place. You know, it's, it's, I know, it's scary. It's okay. But he didn't say that, even though he said he was afraid. In fact, you hear the voice 
of a challenger here. Sometimes God challenges us. He calls out the excuses that we like to make. Oh, you say you were afraid? Well, you know what you could have done? You could have actually just put it in the bank and still been afraid over here. And that money would have just grown interest by itself, doing nothing. You could have done that. God calls out our excuses and he challenges us. You know, as friends and as a church, sometimes we try to challenge one another. And whenever you get challenged by a challenger, it's never fun. I can't go to church tomorrow, honey. I'm sick. Take a test. Okay. I'm doing it. She did it. She called me out. (laughs) Toughen up. Think about the possible excuses we all can make to not live up to our potential. I was afraid. I didn't have the same opportunities as, as those people. You know, I had physical challenges. I'm too old. I'm too young. Or the one that always comes up, you know, I used to have enough money. I, didn't, I just didn't have enough. Excuses. The passage says that he buried it. He buried the opportunity. He buried his potential. He played it safe. We want to be a church where we take risks. And, and we live in a time where if you take risks and you fail, people say, well, you failed. But taking risks and failing is actually not failing. Doing nothing with what you have been given. Doing nothing and taking no risks, that's actually failure. It's wasting your life. When you bury something, you, you focus on what you could lose not what you could gain. You don't take the risk. Some people in this room have, have, have taken risks and gains at, at new businesses in this room. There are people who have taken risks at new opportunities. And we think about all the people we could help if this turns out. Or all, all the lives we can change. You know, if I, just, if I just take a risk and post, you know, these crafts I'm doing, these little kids online, I, I might get made fun of. Or maybe some people will get some cool ideas. And it seems so silly, but someone in this room taught me once how to make a pizza crust earlier. And you know what? I burned every one of them. But, it, but, but, but the hope of like, I want to make a good pizza in our house. What a great idea to make pizza with your family. After all, all the times of burning it and not working out, I realized it's cheaper to buy one. <laughs> My question for everyone here, what are you bearing because you want to play it safe? What are you bearing because you are afraid of failure? See, when you live that kind of life, you are, you are dying before you even die. Now, before we become too judgmental of the wicked, lazy servant, and ah, oh, we're self-righteous, we're not that far from that person. We are closer to becoming the lazy servant than, than we think. Because the, 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 the obstacles and the enemy of the lazy servant, the weaknesses that they possessed is the same ones that we have and the same opponent that we have. It's called the old, the old nature. The old nature that we have before we come to Christ, it's, it's the fault is, is, is laziness. It's selfishness. First John says this to us, says for everything In the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
This is the old. It says, it comes not from the Father, but from the world. This is why when you make a decision to give your life to Jesus, we think like it's just all going to magically, like he's a magic pixie dust and, hey, I'm, I'm good. It's like the Father comes in from the inside. He transforms us. He gives us a new way of viewing life, a new way of living. We, we have a new thing to live for. But we still dwell in the old. The physical body is still there and the old nature. And that is why the greatest challenge for us this season is to die to the old and live to the new. We have to starve the old and we have to feed the new. And that is an exercise we have to put into practice every day, every moment. And yes, it gets easier, but it is ongoing. It is the ongoing opponent that we constantly starve the old and that we feed the new. The old nature, it's about self. It's about being selfish. This is the word pride. I mean, everything is always rooted. You're looking inward, but the new nature is always about the outward. It's about others. It's about loving your neighbor and sacrifice. Now, what does this look like practically to feed the new and starve the old? It's written in Galatians 5. Paul says these words. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. So that's the old. Here's the new. Serve one another humbly in love. Then he says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you haven't ever opened up a Bible yet, this is a great little like nugget of like, yes, I can sum up the whole Old Testament in one phrase. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. It is a great guide as you're reading some of the books of the Old Testament and saying, what in the world is this talking about? About tattoos and this? Well, the law was summed up in this. It's about getting people to love their neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, that's the old, watch out, you will destroy one another. So I say, walk by the Spirit. This is feeding the new. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then he gives some practical examples in their day. Some of these may be true for our day, but definitely in their day. He says, these are the, these, here's the old. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. That's the old. Then he says, I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then here is feeding the new. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. These are the things we must continue to feed. We feed the new by continuing to practice and choosing these ways. Every square inch that our feet touch and life touches, these things are the things that we need to choose always. Now here's something very practical. I hate that sometimes religious people could put off this aura of like, I am the man of God and you are the peasants. I'm perfect. I start off that way and you all start off, you know, frail. I hate it because it's such 
a lie because we're humans like everyone else. And God might call people to, to serve others and serve. That's what a lot of times pastors are called to do is serve a church. But you know how you, you stay out of trouble? It's, it's how you use your time. It's actually how you use your time. That's how you actually feed the new and you starve the old. You see, when all your time is spent feeding the new, you don't have time to feed the old. What did Jesus call the servant? Lazy. When you're lazy, you know what you have? A lot of free time. And what happens when you have free time? You start to make and find yourself making a lot of poor choices. Choices that are less than love and less than hopeful. That's true for everybody. So I want to encourage you, get busy feeding the new. You know, we can starve greed by feeding generosity. You can starve selfishness by uh, putting others' needs before your own. And you start off with this word when you wake up. How can I help? You know, if you're, you're teenagers, you can say to your parents, hey, how can I help? If you're a married couple, you say to the other person, how can I help? If you're single, when you show up and you see people with the babies and things, you say, yeah, how can I help, right? This is how we continue to choose to feed the new. We can starve envy by celebrating others. You can feed the new by, by what you put into your mind and what do you put into your heart and soul from, from everything, from music to movies. Now, I know this is a church of action. And you're saying, we're doing it. We're feeding the new. We're starving the old. Potential, we don't want to end up one day saying we wasted our lives. And you're going to take some action steps to do this. And when you do, I have to warn you, something is coming. And it's not fair, but it's going to happen. Especially if you're in middle school, high school, this is going to happen. But it happens for every age group. When you start choosing to leave apathy and laziness, you will start to lose friends. You will lose friends. You will stop getting invited to activities. Because if you're choosing to live every moment fully alive, if you're choosing not to live apathy, it's like, hey, they're making us look bad. We like it over here in mediocrity. We like, this, we like the status quo. You'll stop getting invited. They might avoid you. And there you will be once again, facing that great opponent, the old self. Because who doesn't want to have a friend? Who doesn't want to have a group of people who are going to accept you? That's why I love the local church. Because if you don't have a single friend, you can show up on Sunday and see, hey, I'm actually not as alone as I think. I actually have some people I can, I can call if I need to talk to somebody. This is why we have the local church. So let's not be a people of excuses. But I'm going to give you one more excuse that will be prevalent. And there's a good reason for it. I didn't grow up in a good home. I didn't have a a mom, a dad. I, for a long time, bought into that idea and and actually felt like, yeah, that these some people, I I, I had a great home, by the way, but some people, I I can see why they haven't applied themselves because it makes sense. They didn't have a good home. I mean, it, it actually is a good excuse. But in 2007, I met a guy named Jay Strack, and what he said changed my mindset. Jay Strack, he grew up in six different foster homes. 
And in the course of that time of growing up in those six different foster homes, he was also sexually abused, which led him to start choosing some recreational drugs. And I can understand thinking, I can understand why he chose the drugs. I mean, when you have a life like that, I feel like you have an excuse. But when he became a teenager and a young adult, he gave his life to Christ. He asked Jesus to come into his life and he gave his life to Jesus. And his life took a different direction. This guy, Jay Strack, he's now in his late 60s. He ended up starting an organization called Student Leadership University. He surrounds teenagers with leaders. He's brought over a quarter of a million students through his program. And this program, he puts leaders in front of students who haven't had the greatest life or had had obstacles, but basically don't make excuses. And because Jesus came into their life, they're saying, you can, you can actually make something of your life. He, he's traveled all over the world. In the last uh, presidency, he got asked us to serve on like a presidential council for the United States. He's written tons of books. He's spoken to over 15 million people. And I forgot to mention, he also has dyslexia. He has a learning disability. And yet, his life is a story, and this is kind of the mantra he lives by. With God, there's always a way. Let us be a people who don't have excuses. Let us become a people who are going to choose to live by the mantra we love. Live your lives in such a way that makes the world wonder. There must be more. In this room, there's got to be potential that has been untapped, potential that has been buried. There has to be people who have been afraid to take risks and try new things. Let us not choose the old. Let's starve it. Let's feed the new. And let's choose to die so that we can truly live. Thanks to all who give to Wonder Church. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. Let this talk do only what Jesus can. And live your life in such a way that will make the world wonder. There must be more.